Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. In today's episode, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with the wise and uber-level entrepreneur, Dr. Lauren Cook, therapist and career coach. Dr. Lauren shares her best tips on how to stoke your own fearlessness by taking action. She suggests we can do this in two ways. One, tap into your passion and go all in. And two, be fearless and unafraid to look dumb, air quotes here, dumb, just do it. We talk a lot about following our hearts and bringing our logical minds with us. We also have a good laugh, kind of at ourselves, about how much we entrepreneurs like to be in charge and in control and how that translates into our business. Dr. Lauren's energy is infectious, and the way she guides her therapy and coaching clients is clearly from a place of love and service. Listen carefully to when she talks about the concept of both and. Because in this entrepreneurial journey, there's a ton of pressure to make it look like we've got it all together and are experiencing extraordinary success without any effort. This is not so. And when we give ourselves permission to experience all the feelings of this journey, everything starts to get better. Lauren's story about how she's made her decisions and followed her own heart while bringing her head with her is inspiring and uplifting, and I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Dr. Lauren and her amazing journey. Dr. Lauren Cook, welcome. Tracy, so good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to to talk about your journey, to share kind of what you've been up to, where you're headed, as you know, your experience as an entrepreneur. And as we were talking before we started recording, I think some good stuff came up. So we'll see kind of where that leads us. But I'm very excited about what lies ahead in our time together. So thank you for being here. I am too. I've so enjoyed our conversations that we've been having. We've got, I feel like we have a really nice connection. So I'm excited for us to get to talk more today. Oh, likewise, likewise. Well, before we dive in, can you tell us where you are located? Where are you in the world right now? Yeah, so I'm in the Pasadena area in Southern California. We just moved here. Oh gosh, we're coming up on a year this August. So first house, getting adjusted and loving this season of life. Awesome. Congratulations. Buying a house in a pandemic. That must have been interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Still recovering from that process, but it's a good example of, of really going with your gut, you know, because so many people told us last year, 
don't buy a house now. It's not a good time. And my husband and I were like, you know what? This does feel like the good time. Like we've been wanting to get a house for years. Let's do it. The time is now. And sure enough, the market is even worse now than it was a year <laughs> ago. So we're glad that that we just followed our gut on that one. Yeah, very good. Well, that's exciting. And it looks like light and bright and airy from, from where we're sitting. So it must be nice. Are you Are you working from home right now or are you doing both office and home? I would say 90-10 from home. So I'm just finishing up my postdoc at the Claremont Colleges. So like Harvey Mudd, Pomona College, Scripps, that whole consortium there. Hmm. I only go in once a week for crisis shift, but there's no students on campus. So I've never seen a student during crisis shift, but we're there. Oh, wow. Just in case. Yeah. Wow. And so, okay. So at time of recording, we've just been told that the CDC says that we can go play as long as we've been vaccinated. How do we know who's telling the truth and whatever? That's, that's a different topic, but are things starting to open up in California? You know, they really are. Yeah. I'm fully vaccinated at this point. I got fully vaccinated by the end of March actually. And, you know, over this past weekend, we were able to go out to dinner with friends. All our friends are vaccinated at this point. And, you know, I was just telling someone the other day, like, I thought it would feel very weird and strange, but it was surprising in a way how much like everybody kind of fell back into how things were before, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think I was a little socially nervous, but it's just so good to see your friends again and um, mm-hmm. be in the company of others. I said to to my partner, I didn't realize how much I miss socializing. You kind of forget what it feels like, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we need people, even the most introverted of us, you know, we need someone, (laughs) you know, someone to confide in. And it's nice to have that physical closeness. You know, we were just at, uh, at a music event over the weekend and it was outdoors and, you know, you're still like a little (laughs) hesitant, um, says we, well, most of us are fully vaccinated, but I just had my second shot a week ago, not even a week ago, like five days ago. So, you know, so we're all still kind of like walking gently, Mm -hmm. but man, was it lovely to sit down next to people and chat and laugh and enjoy music and dance and sing. And uh, it was just great. It was really lovely. It's nice to, it's nice to be back. I love music. I want to know who'd you see play my children. (laughs) Yeah. My, um, my daughter specifically, her group, her portion of the band was, uh, performing at our, my kids go to school of rock and their school had the four year anniversary party. And so they were outside and they were singing and it was really lovely. It was really nice. Yeah. And she loved singing without a mask. (laughs) (laughs) I tried singing with the mask on but I feel like it would be hard yeah we finally got her as a side note but we finally got her like singer's masks which give a little bit more space but she she said if we were outside I didn't need to have it on she's been fully vaccinated as well so but yeah it is it's, it's such a weird thing to be talking about, you know, well, I've had my vaccine so I can go outside again, you know, <laughs> like, like barnyard animals. So <laughs> an important vaccine though. Um, gosh. Okay. So I think one of the times that we talked, you were saying that you are getting ready to open a private practice in the fall and you have a career coaching business. So I would say that lands you squarely in entrepreneur land. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have a, a 
small plot of land in entrepreneur land. You yeah. absolutely do. So what, um, have you always had an entrepreneurial spirit? Like when you started school and started thinking about where you wanted to go with things, were you always thinking you wanted to do your own thing? I would say so for sure. Yeah. yeah. I've always, you know, I've always liked kind of beating to my own drum a little bit. Like even looking back in elementary school, I would wear a dress every day because I just loved wearing dresses and people would make fun of me for it of like, why don't you wear pants? Like what's wrong with you? But it was like, you know what? I, I love it. It made me happy. And so, and I don't know if that's because growing up as an only child, you know, I would spend more time kind of playing by myself sometimes, but you know, honestly, ever since I really got into psychology and how much I love speaking as well, I like, I like wearing a lot of different hats. I just knew, you know what, I, I want to have my own private practice where I can kind of be the captain of the ship a little bit. And, um, especially after working in corporate a little bit in college and getting to see what that lifestyle was like. And that Monday through Friday, nine to six, have to ask for time off. I found it gave me anxiety of like, oh gosh, can I ask for this? Can I ask for that? What if I don't have enough time? And it's like, you know what? I want that freedom to be able to have control of my schedule and uh, feel like I'm my own boss. So I'd say that entrepreneurial spirit has always been there, but the fire has been stoked more and more through the years. Mm. And so you work right now as a therapist within a university system Mm -hmm. specifically with students Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and are you is that where you're headed with your private practice or are you looking to open and move in a different direction with who you serve i hope so so i i love working with college students that's where i've been really the past three years and working with that age group is it's just my favorite because it's Mm. such a fun time of life. They're really figuring out what their values are, what they want to do. And I don't think it's by coincidence that the career coaching has emerged hand in hand with that because I really love helping people figure out what they're passionate about. Mm. But that being said, expanding that age range, love all through the twenties and the early thirties. Like I really love helping people through their life transitions, both the professional and the personal. So Mm. I love to throw in a little couples therapy in there too, whether it's premarital, a couple deciding, do they get married? Do they end their relationship? Do they start a family? Those really big decisions. I love helping people get clarity on those things. Mm, That's pretty awesome. I love how it seems like you're very in tune with like maybe what's intuitive for you, you know, where you gravitate and, and that you're open to and allowing new opportunities to come through. Like, I'm, I don't know if you were thinking about career coaching while you were going to school and <laughs> working. Not no, not probably not. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just thinking and trusting that, right. Trusting yourself and, and kind of tapping into that, you know, something that may not make sense, but feels right. Mm-hmm. Like buying a house in a pandemic. <laughs> right? Doesn't make sense on paper. Maybe. I don't know if it does. You know, market in California is always intense. Yeah. We low key, we talk about moving a lot. (laughs) Sometimes, but no, I will say like, you know, two things that I think are a big part of my entrepreneurial spirit is 
once I'm super passionate about something, like I'm all in, like I'm committed to it, maybe past the point of logic sometimes where I have to like throw in the logic. But once I like really see something, like I'm all in for it. And mm-hmm. the second piece I'd say is I'm pretty fearless. Like I'm not afraid to go up and talk to somebody or, or look like an idiot sometimes to ask mm-hmm. a question. You know, I remember working at Disney and they said as an intern, like, oh, go to this event with Ann Sweeney. She's the president of ABC. And after the meeting, like, I just went up and like started asking her some questions, like talk to her. And I think people were kind of like, this is Disney. Like, this is a very hierarchical company. Like, what are you doing as an intern talking to, you know, a corporate exec? But it's like, no, like, hey, stoke that fearlessness in you. Like, if you want to connect with somebody, what do you have to lose? You know, so I think that's something I try and hold on to. Mm. I think that's a that's a huge point to bring up is we can have fear, but we can do the thing anyway. And to take that leap, you know, you kind of broke rank in a way by saying, well, I'm just going to go ahead and go talk to that person. But I'm sure there's nowhere, you know, written that you're not allowed to approach an executive. <laughs> you know, so I think like I was just as you were saying that, I was thinking, I mean, she's a human. She gets up when she if she's wearing pants, she puts probably one foot in a pant leg at a time, like the rest of us do, <laughs> unless she's really tricky. You know, like two feet in one pant leg. Right. I, good luck. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> you know, but like she's a human being and she probably she may not remember your name until the end of time, but I bet she remembers you. I bet she remembers the young intern who came up to her and fearlessly had a conversation and asked her lots of questions. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I find that the older I get, the more I have to fight for my fear, fearlessness. Like, mm, interesting. I really had that in me even more when I was younger. And I think as you get older, sometimes we have different experiences of like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah no, that didn't go so well, or that like brought up some feelings of shame. Right. And so I find I have to fight harder to have that sense of fearlessness, but I, I do try and hold on to it because I think Mm -hmm. it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a challenge, you know, but I think just in general, being an entrepreneur grates up against that all the time, right? Like I feel like we're constantly skirting the line of logic (laughs) and just going for it. I mean, I think there's like, I like to remind my clients, like follow your heart. Absolutely. And take your brain with you. Like really bring that logic side, (laughs) bring your right brain, (laughs) bring it, (laughs) bring it with you. Let it have, let it speak its piece. It doesn't have a lot of words to say, but it'll be really clear what it's thinking. And then you can balance that out or or find the harmony in that. So, yeah. 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 So important because I think (laughs) I know for me, I get so passionate about something. And then it's like when you actually crunch the numbers, it's like, oh, okay, let's be grounded in this. Yeah. Well, and and so speaking of kind of taking leaps, you recently launched a course. And before we started, you can decide how much you want to say about this. But before we started, you were saying how much of a process that was. Can you share whatever you want to share. I think maybe like, especially kind of what you're learning about that and and through that process. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I did just launch a launch a course. It's called find your why, know your way. I'm actually super excited because you're one of our guest experts in it. So I'm super excited for our, our students to get access to you and hear more from you, but it's been such a learning process. I've done 
you know, a few course launches, but this time I really, you know, I think sometimes with entrepreneurialism, we have to realize what we're good at and realize where we need help. Mm. And before I had really tried to do all the things. And so this time I, I hired a professional who specializes in course launches and that was a super good learning experience, but it was also, I'm going to be candid in saying this, like a really hard process. And you and I were talking about, you know, really figuring out, and this has been a big focus for me in 2021 of like ROI, like return on investment, like course launches take a lot of time, not just the course launch itself, but just developing the course content. Mm -hmm. Um, And the course content, like, that's what I'm super passionate about. Like, that's why I want to even do it. You know, the course launch, truth be told, I don't really love doing because I'm not, I'm not a marketing person. Right. I don't necessarily love selling things to people. I like creating things. So that was a really tough process and still candidly like debating if that's something I want to do in the future. And I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. You have to be willing to take some risks and be willing for things to not always go out as panned or planned, mm-hmm. both you know, and dust yourself off and keep going. It's, it's a long haul game. And so that's kind of where, where I'm sitting in it right now. And you're talking to me two days post launch. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like a little still in recovery mode. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, yeah, I, I have never launched a course, but I know other people who have and this feedback is similar to like, you got to be really sure that this is what you want to be doing. And you made a really great point, which is know when to ask for help and bring in the professionals who, who do that, yeah. right? I'm not a marketing expert either. Sure, I have my finger on the pulse and I can explain to my clients why it's important that they hire someone to do marketing for them, <laughs> right? But, you know, doing the whole thing yourself could be exhausting, but even the part that you're outsourcing, you still have to be part of the decision-making process. You still need to be, you know, in command in some ways, because it's your course, it's your baby, it's your thing that you're putting out to the world. So yeah, I can imagine that that's, that that takes a tremendous amount of energy. So much energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's where I'm deciding and figuring out is that worth it in the future? Mm -hmm. And not to say that I won't do it in the future again, but I think, you know, the timing has to be right, but your community, it has to be the right fit for them. You know, that was a big learning point too, of like, you can be really passionate about the content, but if your community doesn't necessarily need it, you know, that's where, what you're speaking of, bring your passion, but bring your head with you, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a big learning lesson too, of making sure I'm serving my community and it's aligning with content I'm passionate about too. Yeah. And this is also where having a great marketing person is helpful because, you know, marketing isn't just about reaching people. It's actually about analyzing the data and like looking at the feedback that you're getting and looking at all of the, the analytics and all of that and stuff Mm -hmm. that I don't really understand Well, I see it and I go, okay, that's nice. And then my marketing person goes, okay, this is what it means. I go, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Cause I was guessing. Um, and I wasn't close. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I took one marketing course in school. It was just to get my degree. But, um, you know, I think that again, just all those moving parts and then looking at the ROI. And I think, you know, this is a great point to highlight for our listeners. It's like, 
we may really love something, but, and like we've been saying, bring your head with you. You got to You got to at least check and make sure the numbers make sense. And sometimes you don't know until you've run it one time and tried it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there may yeah. be some adjustments you can make. If it doesn't work according to plan one time, it doesn't mean to can it. It could yeah. just mean make an adjustment. I recently actually had this same, not, it wasn't a course launch, but it was a program that I was developing for what had seemed to be a captive audience and Mm -hmm. very eager and interested Mm -hmm. given the timing of launching and inviting people to join. It's a lot of people that were interested are on the other side of the world. And, and, you know, the situation in India with COVID and all of that, I think is impacting that whole side of the world. Mm -hmm. I did not take that into account until people didn't sign up. And then I went, oh, wow, I could have done just one more survey. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a fan of like, tear the bandaid off and do the thing and see what happens. Like I didn't lose any money. I didn't, you know, so you know, what I learned this time, it's like, okay, things are not normal. These aren't normal times. I don't even know what that means anymore. And it definitely will be different when we're on the other side or if, and when we're kind of on the other side of this, this whole, you know, pandemic, but like, sometimes we just need a little bit more data. That was definitely a learning for me as I didn't, maybe I just didn't gather enough data to understand what people's fear might be or their pain points or what they're willing to invest in at this time, you know? Right. No, I so agree with that. And that really resonates in my experience too. And the thing I try and remind myself too, like if someone isn't ready right now, you're still getting in front of them, you know? So they start to back pocket you of like, Ooh, okay. If I need help in the future, Lauren's there, Tracy's there. Mm -hmm. Cause what is it? I think it's something like a person needs to be exposed to a product seven, seven different times Mm -hmm. before they're potentially ready to buy for a lot of people. So that's something I try and remember too. Maybe not now, but maybe someday. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a client actually who I remember when she was a potential client, like we talked and we had a great conversation and she was like very excited but mm-hmm. super nervous and also not in a great financial position. And my take on that is if it's going to put you in jeopardy, it is, it's, there's no amount of money that would be worth it. That's different than what some of the gurus might say, right. To get, get people to take that leap and whatever, but coaching <laughs> is such a personal thing. And so dependent upon people being able to clear their stuff out of the way and take steps that if they're stuck in fear, that's not a good place. And I'm not a therapist. I'm an MBA. So I'm only equipped to take people so far before they have to do the work themselves. Like they might need to go get therapy or whatever to kind of clear out some of that stuff. So I didn't push. And I said, well, I'm here when you're ready. Yeah. I'm here when you're ready. And it may be before you feel a hundred percent ready, but if you're 80% ready, that's a great time to call me back. Yeah. And if you want to touch base, you know, here and there until you're ready, I'm here. Right. So I would just like email her once a month or something and check in with her 18 months later, she calls me. And what was so great. She's like, I feel a little bit ashamed, but I decided to call you anyway. And I'm sorry it took me so long, but I got a new job and I'm making more money and I set all the money aside. So like, I can do it now. (laughs) And she was a great client. Yeah. She was a great client. She was wonderful. And she did the work, you know? Well, and I thought that's, mindset too. Like, even if you look at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like if we don't have like our baseline needs, food, water, shelter, safety, we can't even like focus on that higher level work, you know? So I'm right there with you that 
clients need to make sure that they have those things stable first. You know, I want to make sure my clients feel financially okay before they yes. invest in something next Absolutely. Level. Also, we just, from my perspective for what I do in my business, I don't, I don't feel equipped, nor do I actually want to work with their money fears. If they're in survival, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a good Per, I'm not a good coach for that client and they're definitely not hitting the markers that I'm asking for, for, for people to work with me. And I've had, I've had clients dip in and out as well, right? Like, I'm, I don't know if you have this experience too, with some of your, your uh, career coaching, but I've paused work with people because they've gone through something and asked them to go check in with their therapist and come back when their therapist gives them the all clear. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's, being an integrity is very important to me, <laughs> but, but also we're here to serve, you know, and, and I, I want to kind of circle back to that because I, I get the sense, but I don't want to put words in your mouth that the career coaching developed as you were watching people try to figure out what they wanted to be when they grow up or do with their lives when they finish university. Is that how that kind of came to be? I would say so. I mean, and I think too, I do like to be pretty hands-on with people in terms of I'm definitely not a sit back, even as a therapist, I'm not a sit back and listen to you for an hour type of therapist. Mm-hmm. No, no discredit to those therapists. I think they're hugely important, but I'm very engaged with my clients. I like to be asking questions, giving feedback. I don't give advice, but I do really like to dialogue with my clients. And I think career coaching for me helps even more when I'm really want like when I'm wanting to help the client just get there, you know, I, I'll never forget. I had a, a colleague once say, you know, in therapy, I really sense the client wants me to help them. You know, they're really pulling for me to help them. And my thought is, well, shoot, like, then let's help them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some might say that that's a countertransference. So that, that kind of scratches my itch because there are clients, I want to help you. Like if you're struggling with your resume, if you're not sure where to look for jobs, if you're struggling with your interview skills, let's do that (laughs) work, you know? And so I really, I enjoy that practice. I'm very big on goal setting and helping people move towards their future that, that feels ideal to them. I think it's important to look at the past, but I'm also not a therapist that ruminates in the past either. The past has happened. The Mm -hmm. future has not. So how do we make sure that we are living mindfully right now, living a values-based life that feels in alignment for you so that you're happy with your here and now and you're happy, happy happy-ish, or at least moving towards what's going to be a meaningful future for you. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I find myself tending to land. That's awesome. And do you keep those do you keep therapy and coaching very separate? Or if you have a, a client who's come to you for therapy and they want to work on career goals, do you work on career goals with them? Or do you like, I do keep it pretty separate. Yeah. I, I want it to be very boundary for my clients so that they understand, you know, all right, therapy, which I'm only allowed to do in the state of California. So that's a very clear. Oh, okay. Right. right okay. There. Mm-hmm. Um, versus coaching where I have clients all over the country, but coaching is much more hands-on, you know? So it, it really just depends, but I have no problem with my coaching clients referring them to therapy and my therapy clients referring them to like a career coaching or, you know, a lot of times I work with college students in therapy. So, Hey, go to the career center on your campus. That kind gotcha. of Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Well, that must also be nice because then you have, you get to be in the driver's seat fully. Like you're employed by this university system. So you, you know, you got to follow the rules. And, but in your coaching practice, you get to be, you get to be in charge. Yeah. Most entrepreneurs kind of dig that. (laughs) And I say in charge instead of control. (laughs) I'm not sure we have control, but we definitely have command. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why I want to have a private practice in therapy too. Mm -hmm. Um, Control in charge, perhaps synonymous. Right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Be my own boss. Yeah, that's yeah. important to me. I presume you'll have like a brick and mortar location that eventually you'll see people in person again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Will you also? Oh, like yeah, I bet. I I bet. I mean, I can imagine. So we've continued like for my kids' therapies. We've continued virtually. One provider has a huge, gigantic office. Like his actual office is big, and so we can go in there masked and have the right distance and all that. But I tell you, those in-person visits are so much more effective than, than and and, it, and maybe in part because my kids are teenagers and they're, they might also be looking at their devices while they're sitting at a computer. You know, I'm not sure. They might be a little distracted, but it seems to be everybody craves it. I'll put it that way because I don't want to say that he, the therapist isn't effective. I just think that in-person has a different value to it. Um, I so I bet. Yeah. With people, yeah, they see that space. It's like a more sacred space. Yeah. It's fascinating. Even like I notice my clients, not that not that I want to like push people to cry or anything like that, but people get a lot more emotional in person than across Zoom. Mm. I fascinating. That is fascinating. Well, you're you come across as very warm, and I would imagine that you create that safe feeling for them and not that you wouldn't do it via zoom, but (laughs) yeah, I do think it's just different being in person. Like you, they probably feel your warmth and your compassion so much more being in a room with you. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. So will you be, I'm just kind of thinking ahead a little bit. Will you also, will you still be keeping that super separate? Like, will you run any of your coaching services out of your facility or are you still keeping that separate? And it's mostly virtual, right? Your coaching. Mostly virtual. So in fact, all virtual. Um, So, you know, I would plan on doing some of my coaching sessions from my office. My clients won't necessarily know the difference. And if anything, I prefer to do that work in the office than in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's something I'm going to really survey my community about talking about working with the head and not just the heart. Um, You know, for therapy clients too, do they prefer, you know, virtual session still or coming in brick and mortar because that's an investment getting a brick and mortar office, especially as I'm starting a private practice. Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm really weighing this fall. Does it make sense to hold out and keep doing virtual through the fall? Because my heart is like, let's get the office now and set it all up. But if the clients aren't ready to come in, not necessarily a smart move. Right. You might be paying rent for um, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I bet that's an interesting thing too, because one of the other things is like, it's convenient that a 45 minute or 50 minute session is exactly that long Mm -hmm. when you get to do through a telehealth type visit. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing is the investment of time and energy for individual patients and clients, you know, 
Yeah, really super interesting. I know that like one of the services that we go to, they're they do education and career and like career path coaching as well as therapy services. Ooh. And it's an interesting crossover, but they also have multiple providers. So I doubt that like the therapist would also be the coach in this situation to the same client. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be wrong. I haven't actually inquired, but I, now I'm going to ask because I just want to understand their business model. <laughs> I always do. I always ask questions about business models and some people always look at me funny, but yeah. <laughs> asking, I think it's important. It is. And I wonder, yeah. So I'll be, you know, I'll definitely want to check back with you as you start, as you work through this process and do your research and survey your community because it's, things are just different now. I just really think that's another thing. It's like, have you, have you noticed, have you shifted your business model, even the idea of your business model already in anticipation? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and that's something I'm really factoring into the equation, right? Because mm-hmm. if people say, no, I prefer teletherapy, then, Hey, does it make sense to do that right now? Um, right. And, you know, again, full transparency, it's one of my core values just as a human being you know, I'm starting to think about, do I want to have a family, these questions, right? And so with that too, it's like, does it make sense to be paying for an office, you know, when I'm about to maybe enter that season and might be needing a few months off? So lots of things to kind of juggle in the decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what you learn, because I think a good caution, you know, sort of a a nice cautious approach is to launch the, uh, practice without brick and mortar. And if you get enough inquiries, then, you know, you can, you can go from there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, you have to weigh everything out. So I'll be really curious to see how that shakes out for you. Yeah. Sometimes we want things and we think it's a great idea, but our, our clients are kind of like, yeah, that's, I mean, I want it, but not that bad, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 Head and heart. Yeah. Bring them both. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And my husband is a, is a, um, like a finance guy. He's a corporate finance guy. And it's, it's nice to, it's not that I don't have that right brain stuff, but I like to check in with him about like, what am I missing? Cause I'm really excited. And I think it's a great idea. And all the people who like my work think it's a great idea, but does it actually make sense? What is that? How do I price something? How do I figure out, you know, what people, what the market will bear. And then this is a particular niche of people and what are they willing to pay? And how do I ask that question? You know, so it's, it's kind of, it's nice to be able to have, you know, he's my, he's my strategic finance partner. (laughs) Cause I'm like Miss Head in the Clouds. Oh yeah. (laughs) Same way of like, okay, let's let's bring this down to earth. (laughs) I'm killer, but also yeah, right? <laughs> that's so important. So yeah. important. we balance each other out well with that. That's great. I think that's important too. And it's nice to know that it sounds like he's very supportive of, you know, where you're headed and what you want to do and appreciates your ambition and all of that. So I think yeah. that that's, yeah, I think that's a huge piece of it too. Like it's, I think it's a struggle. It's okay if people don't understand why we decide to do something, they don't need to understand the why but they just need to understand that it's important to us mm-hmm. and that we believe as I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of the, when you believe it, you'll see it, not the other way around because we'll, 
you know, so it's a, one of the analogies that I use. So sorry for your listener, for the listeners here, because it's probably like the fourth time in our interviews that I've used this analogy, but it's a good one. If you're buying a car and you have done your research or however, whatever your process is, you've gone through your process. Now you've decided on the car and you may get it that day and drive off the lot or whatever, but suddenly we see umpteen of the same model, the same package, sometimes even the same color of that car the day we make the decision. And it's not as if the manufacturer has flooded the market. It's that now our focus is so narrow that now those things come into sight. And so I like to remind my clients of this. Like if you're, if somewhere in the back of your mind, you're thinking it'll never work, people aren't going to go for it. Guess what's probably going to happen? It's likely not to work and people are likely not to go for it because that's what you're looking for. That's where the attention is. Mm -hmm. So I like to remind myself, if I believe it, once I believe it, then I will start to see it. Mm. So, and we still need to bring our, our head, but <laughs> you know. I love that though. Yeah. Because if you don't believe it, people are going to pick up on that. People are going to sense that, you know, yeah. that's why, you know, I really always push myself. If I'm not like 110% on something excited to do it. We were talking about, you know, before we started recording, time and energy is precious. It's a currency. So Mm -hmm. with that finite time and energy, how you want to spend it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think that's a really important piece for people who are listening. You know, there might be things that you think you should, air quotes here, should be doing and beware of shooting on yourself and others. But you know, like there's we may think that. Well, I really want to do this, but, you know, I I know that I should be doing it this way with the exception of like taxes and legal, there's really no rules. And sometimes we need to trust our instincts and run with them and not wait for approval or acceptance by others. Mm -hmm. And some of the most successful people are the ones who, you know, shattered molds and did things in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my caveat is taxes and law. (laughs) (laughs) everything else, you know, unless, well, some of my, some of my clients are medical providers. So there's other stuff in there too, but you know, (laughs) but that's sort of, it's the legal stuff, you know, but like, who's to say that it's supposed to go a certain way, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Get creative. I mean, I think that's something that pulls in so many entrepreneurs is just the ability to be creative, to not have to follow necessarily a step-by-step, but you get to kind of make the rules. Yes, there's more risk with that sometimes, but if you're willing to lean into those risks, some really cool stuff can happen in the process. And I always tell myself too, even if something is an epic failure, which I've had a lot of failures. And I always say to myself, you know what, at least I tried. like, at least I put myself out there. I learned something rather than sit back in the wings and thought like, oh, well, what would have happened if I had been brave enough to give it a shot, you know? And I say this all with the lens too, like there's so much privilege in saying that, right? Too, like I think being an entrepreneur is a privilege. Like a lot of people do not have access or ability to do that, right? We were talking about, hey, if your base is not secure, that kind of risk-taking with entrepreneurialism is really, really hard. So I say that, Because I think that's important to acknowledge in this narrative too. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really important point too, because it's it's so true. Even even thinking we have choice, you know, when I, I cringe when I hear people say things like, oh, well, you live in a state that doesn't have blah, 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 just move. Like, hmm. Have you ever moved from one state to the other? Because let me tell you something, even if you get rid of everything, it's still very expensive. Yeah. So that's a luxury and that's a privilege to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, if your state's too expensive, just move. It's it's a that's a very <laughs> I don't appreciate when people talk like that. So it yeah. is, you know, I think we need to we need to acknowledge our privilege and we can use it, I think, in really positive ways. Mm-hmm. Um I, one of the people who I interviewed, who's also a marketing partner, and I refer a lot of my clients to her, she created a course actually for women kind of based on stories that she kept hearing. And she'd been a single mom for a while and was never in danger of losing her home or she, she always earned well, but people around her, she saw it pretty consistently. And women often do get the short end of the stick in the single parenting scenario and financially can become crippled by these things and whatnot. So she created a course, I think she's calling it side hustle. And it was just interesting for her. She's like, I have all this knowledge Mm. and I just want to put it out there and share. And she's selling it for, you know, a song because she just wants people to be able to have access to it. So it's a pure passion project. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, she's like, I recognize that I'm in a really fortunate position. You know, I, I've managed to do well and I've probably in part managed to do well because of my privilege. So I want to use that for good. And, and I love that, you know, making it accessible. So she's got, you know, free coupon codes for people who are, who are, you know, want to take the course, but even at the at the low price that it's offered at, that's a stretch. She's like, just email me. I'll give you a coupon code. You know, wow. get it for free. And I, I feel like, you know, when we we can use our privilege in a really powerful way that way. That's amazing. I love that. And I I think that's what's so cool about being an entrepreneur is that you get the both ends. Like you get those opportunities to give back like she's doing. I love that. And I'm also a really big advocate too of like women ask your worth, like, don't be afraid to like ask, you know, what you think your content and what you have to offer is worth. Because I found this in my own life and with so many other women, we're so hesitant to talk about money, to Mm -hmm. ask people for money for our services. We were talking before this recording, how I had someone blast me this week for asking for money for my course. And it's like, no, like as women, we need to empower each other of like, hey, own own your worth, you know, don't be afraid to ask for something. You you are worth, you know, whatever you're charging. So absolutely I love the both and with that. Yeah, I do too. And I and I was listening to a podcast recently where she said women similar have we we struggle with asking for that the value that we bring um mm-hmm. and we often think we need to throw a whole bunch of other things in there when we charge a premium price mm-hmm. and her take on that is one is stop doing that <laughs> and two that it actually might confuse your potential clients and customers because you're giving them too many things and now they don't it's like overwhelm which I thought was really interesting. And her whole take is keep it simple, but stop doing that to yourself. Like if you, you know, look around at what dudes who do something similar are charging and see how many extras they're providing. Mm -hmm. Because unless they're following that formula where they throw a whole bunch of numbers behind all the bonuses that are, you know, pretend valuable, you know, that's, they're not adding extras. Mm -hmm. 
I had a client early on in my coaching career who said, I'm very happy with the price you're charging me. However, I want to highlight something. And it was a man. And he said, and I, I have a daughter who is about to go into college and I would be remiss if I didn't say this. And, and I want to say this for you, but also for my daughter, like she wasn't in the room, but I was like, wow, okay, I'm listening. And he said, so I interviewed another business coach a while back and he charges $500 more a month than you do. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, he's not half as good as you. Mm. And he doesn't offer a fraction of the value that you offer. So I hope you don't raise my price, but I hope you raise your prices. Mm. I did. I increased my prices by more than 500 and nobody flinched with new clients coming in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There you go. Super empowering. And it's like, and I had a decision to make. Do I feel shame about this that my client had to tell me I'm more valuable than what I'm charging or just be really appreciative? I decided appreciation and gratitude on that one. Yes. But, you know, it kind of, it gave me pause. I also thought, wow, that's really powerful. Please go tell your daughter about this conversation. Like yes. <laughs> the second that we hang up. Oh, yeah. That is powerful. Yeah. yeah no. That was a pivotal moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you said something, um, earlier that I want to kind of circle back to about kind of letting go of what the outcome might be. Can you shed some light on that? Like, you know, that's, I feel like that's an easy thing to say. And then in the moment can be, you know, ridiculously challenging. <laughs> so hard. So yeah. incredibly hard. Well, and I'm not sure how much you like the Enneagram or work with the Enneagram. For me, Enneagram has been like a game changer in how I conceptualize myself and how I operate in the world and with a lot of clients too. So I'm an Enneagram three. So for anybody listening to that, that's the achiever, right? And the achiever like often will work to the point of burnout. And I definitely do that a lot of times. And so, you know, even before getting ready to launch this course, like I really had to remind myself like, you know what, even if the numbers don't pan out how I hope they will, I'm going to learn something through this process. Now, again, way easier to say that than after the fact, right? Because to me, it's like, it always could have gone better than it actually does, right? right. Like, it's like a bucket with a hole. It's never enough. Right. So holding that too of like, you know what, the important thing is like, I showed up, I invested, I engaged in the process. and. I learned something with it. You know, I'm a big believer in the both and though that you can learn and like, it can also be kind of a, excuse my language, like a shitty feeling sometimes too, when it doesn't go like mega, you know, so, right, right. and being patient in that process. And I really try and be open and authentic about that with my community too. And I think that's hard because I think a lot of times in the entrepreneurial community, you feel like you can only share the successes or that you have to come off super confident. You're the expert. If you're still learning, then like what value do you have? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. It, it kind of like social media, right? It's like the highlight reels only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I fight that battle within myself a lot of times of like, okay, how do I show my competence because I do have competence, but how do I also share that I'm a human being that's flawed, that's anxious, that's insecure? How do I still share that and still trust that my community is going to see worth in what I have to offer? That's the work that I'm doing. 
And I, that's like me being honest about that. I think it's really important to be real about that and not just come off with a mask of like, I've got this all figured out, you know? Right. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And I'm sure that our listeners do too, because one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast and, and bring in, you know, regular people who are doing amazing things out in the world, not necessarily like the people who have reached the, you know, Richard Branson status. Um, Although if he wanted to be interviewed, I would interview him. Um, (laughs) He's going to call me, but you know, the, the, the point is, is that regular people can do extraordinary things mm-hmm. and we can slog and struggle. And, you know, it's most people who appear to have had an overnight success have been chipping away at something for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And they emerge on the scene as if they're new when they've been working at it for forever. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you sharing that you still struggle with insecurity and that sometimes you feel anxious and that, you know, working, working with that and channeling that into energy that puts out good, good product, so to speak, you know, is, is an important part of the process. I think it's important for people to hear that. I'd certainly appreciate hearing that, especially talking to a therapist who has lots of answers, right? Like, you know, when I, I have a close friend who is a psychotherapist and it's great that we can have real conversations on the side because she is, you know, one of the best and super good at what she does. And then she'll pull to the side and be like, I'm so tired or I'm feeling really like I, like I'm not very good at my job and she can't say why, but you know, having a difficult thing with a client or something and, you know, going back to her mentor and asking for help. I'm like, but that, but that's the thing right there is going and asking for help and getting support in that instead of trying to power and muscle through when maybe we just need someone to say, you've got this or, mm-hmm. hmm, you know, have you thought about this? Yeah. Or to take us by the face and go, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Back, you know, like yeah. I think that's one of my fears about having a private practice and something I'm really being very committed to is still keeping very strong community because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we can get into our little silos and our little bubbles. And that's almost like a cozy place to be, but then it becomes this echo chamber. And so I think it's so important to keep talking to people in your industry and outside of your industry all Mm -hmm. the time, you know? Yeah. That's actually a great tip, which brings me to next question is, do you have some tips like from your experience or things that you would like other entrepreneurs to really take with them? Mm. That's a big question. There's so many little, you're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) (sighs) Well, again, I, I really do like to be pretty candid. I mean, I think there you have to know what game you are playing and be willing to play those games and i really wrestled with that like in my industry for example like i'm trying to be a therapist and coach for millennials that means mm-hmm. social media is going to be part of the game yep i completely fought that of like i don't want to be on social media but like here's the real thing like as a speaker if i'm speaking at a university or if i'm speaking to new professionals at a company they're going to immediately look at my social media and look at the other speaker's social media. This sucks, right? Of like, how many followers do you have and all these things? But hey, it's a real thing. Yep. So you have to know what games you're playing in. 
and be willing to play those games and see it as a business venture Yeah, to take some of the personalization out of it. Once I started doing that, my mental health improved so much more because it didn't feel so personal so much, but it felt more like, okay, this is an investment in my business and the content that I have to offer. I think also sometimes taking yourself out of the narrative in the sense that yes, people want to know who you are and people connect with you, but they connect with your content and what you're offering them and thinking more about what is the client's pain points? What does the client need? How can I serve them rather than making it about me or, you know, what am I doing? It's really about serving the client. And once I had that mindset shift again, I think the work was a lot different and more fulfilling too, because I really felt like I was more effective with my clients. Mm. Those are two, two thoughts that I have to get us started on that front. I'm curious. I love that. that. Well, I love, I love both of them. I think the first or the second one, rather, it really resonates as, as a coach, but also for people who, you know, whose business relies on them. If you're the face of your business, if you're, if you're the main person, if you're a coach consultant or uh, some kind of a service provider where you're it, Mm -hmm. remembering as a friend of mine says, it's not about you, boo. (laughs) and just keep remembering that, that we're here to serve. Mm -hmm. And so even in, you know, I've had a couple of clients, you know, I work with very, very high level professionals like physicians and and lawyers and, you know, accounting firms and things like that. And so sometimes if I'm not in my best place, I worry about being able to keep up with them. Mm -hmm. And then I remind myself, one is it's not even about me. And Mm -hmm. two, they're coming to me because I hold a toolkit, which they do not have. Mm -hmm. And so it's not even about my confidence or my ability to deliver. Ultimately, it's about the work that they're willing to do based on the questions that I ask and and listening to them and and leading them in that direction. So that's Mm -hmm. a real, I think that's a really important thing. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. Even if you need to develop your personal brand in order to attract the right clients, it's still not about us. Yep. It's about what we bring to the table for them. And that's something that I remind my clients a lot is, you know, to answer the the WeFem question, what's in it for me from the client's perspective. So what do they gain? Mm. What do they gain? You know, and when I couldn't answer that question, it gave me a lot of clarity on why I was getting mixed results with like potential clients not signing up or whatever, like really early on. Now I ask myself that question. What's in it for them? What am I bringing to the table? It's great that I can bring this whole toolkit, but how do they benefit from it? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's still not about me. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was such a game changer for me. You know, yeah. it's liberating. It's so liberating. Yeah, and I think you know we were talking about in the beginning, like that entrepreneurial spirit has been in me. But I think you know, growing up performing and things like that. And as a kid, like there is so much focus on you and applauding and cheering you on. And so I think growing up, you kind of internalize like, this is about me. No, 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 friend. It's so not. (laughs) But, but you know, in even the teen and early 20 years, there's still so much focus on the internal. Yeah, that's a shift. It is a shift. Yeah. And yeah, it's I think it's it's a liberating one, but I don't think it's very smooth or easy necessarily. It's just it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Yeah, I yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Oh, well, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm just, we could, I feel like we could just keep going. (laughs) Everybody needs a coffee break at some point (laughs) and has other things to do. But I I have just really, really loved our conversation. I wonder if I could ask you just a couple of personal questions. Yes, I'm a a open book, Tracy. Awesome. Well, I would never ask anything that's like inappropriate anyway. Uh, (laughs) Simple things. What's your favorite food? What do you like to eat? Oh, man. You know, growing up, we would go to this German restaurant called Old Vienna. That was my favorite. And during Oktoberfest, Papa Heinz would come around with his accordion player. Oh. <laughs> loved it. So I'm going to go with chicken schnitzel and spatzel. And I haven't had it in a while, so I might need to work on that. Yeah, you can find out if they're going to do it live this year. <laughs> Old Vienna is no more yeah. sexy. So Aww. I have to find another way. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, okay. We're on a mission to find you schnitzel and spetzel. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, what kind of books do you like to consume either by reading or for listening? Mm, I'm, I'm a big reader. I love to read and I, I challenge myself to go every other. So I'll do one fiction, one nonfiction, because otherwise I probably just land in the fiction realm all the time. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah. And, but uh, with nonfiction, you learn so much, right? So yeah. it's that constant push and pull, but I tend to really love, you know, reading like the New York times bestsellers. Cause I figure, okay, if people are buzzing about these books, let me see what's, what's up. So yeah. you can, me on Goodreads. I'm frequently oh. <laughs> I read on there. Oh, I'll go check it out. Yeah. I always have a long list and then I'll purchase books and they'll sit in a pile and then I'll finally decide, okay, I'm going to read this one, but I'm usually reading two books at a time. I don't know if that's Ooh. an experience. I have one on my bedside table that I don't have to remember. And then the other is usually, usually business or personal development focused. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. I'm reading awesome. the four agreements right now, which oh. I feel like I've, everybody's been telling me you need to read that book. So yeah. It. Are you enjoying it? Well, I'm only like 30 pages in. Okay. So okay. So there. you're still warming up. Yeah. He's still kind of introducing the concept, right? Okay. I'm going to check back with you and see what you think. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. Very interesting. Oh, well, this has been great. I thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad that you came on. And I also appreciate that you're bringing me on to your course. I'm looking forward to that. And one final question, which is how can we support you? Where can we tell people to find you? Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. So I'm a Dr. Lauren Cook on all my platforms. I love to post daily mental health content on my Instagram. I've even got a TikTok. <laughs> I to keep it fresh, you know. <laughs> I um, saw you've been doing reels lately. Yeah. Oh, I have fun <laughs> reels. Those they're are cute. They're very cute. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but then, you know, if companies or groups are looking for a speaker, would love to come in virtually, maybe in person as things are opening up right. And then obviously if people are looking for that career coaching service, um, happy to get on board with that too. And find me in the fall with my private practice if you're in if anybody's in the state of California. Awesome. We'll provide links for all of that in the show notes so everybody can find you. Well, thank you again. This has just been such, I feel joyful talking to you. So I thank you for bringing that. Invite such openness and honesty. I love that. Mm, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm I'm glad that it's coming through that way. That's been my highest intention is to really share this way with our listeners. So I'm glad that it's working out. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Sounds good.
Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success. 